Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. We have another interview for you. It's another softball interview. It's been a while. Uh, last time I did one of these was uh, with Morgan Flores. Uh, great to get these back, and especially considering the time period that this is being recorded in, we're kind of in the really, not I wouldn't say too early going, but we're, we're in softball season. So I appreciate uh, you taking time to do this. This is the 142nd episode of the show itself and the 41st uh, installment of the Seattle interview series. I am joined today by Brooke Nelson, uh, UW pitcher and first baseman member of the, so you're going to have to correct me on this one. It's the uh, first Bonnie Lake high school championship ever or softball championship ever uh softball championship okay softball I was like that's even doubly impressive if both. yeah um Gatorade player of the year uh 3A state player of the year NFCA all-american scholar athlete last season Pac-12 academic honor roll and UW junior I'll just get to the base I mean how are you doing right now I know it's an off day for you so I don't know how much of an off day you consider it with yeah. training and everything and um but how 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 is it uh, going so far obviously play some really talented teams early on in some of yeah. these challenges but i'm sure it's just great to be back in softball season in general absolutely well i'm glad to be here thanks for having me um it's been good we've gotten to see a lot of cool places we went to mexico um that was my first time going to mexico and then we went to florida we just came back from california um and then we leave on thursday for vegas so preseason's definitely a grind just cuz it's a stretch of time where you're not at home. You know, you're always on the go. You're racking up your Alaska Airlines miles, but it's good. You know, it's good to, you know, get, get the team rolling, you know, play some games against other people versus just scrimmaging each other all fall, but it's been good. Yeah. It's, it's always, you know, nothing can replicate game speed. And I'm sure that's the same when yeah. you've got a program like UW that's always ranked relatively high. You want to keep, you know, iron sharpens iron at the end of the day you yeah. look at all the teams as have been ranked you know um so i mean it's it's something too especially considering what's happening in baseball and i'll talk about that later i'm sure because you know coverage of softball is out there if there's no major league baseball there's softball yep. so yep. You know, we'll get back to uh, we'll go back to beginnings here um there's there's some athletic history in your family your father ed played football at the university your mm-hmm. sister played with you on that state title team we talked about your mom played basketball and softball at Tacoma Community College. What influence did your family play on your sports journey taking off? Whether it was, hey, we want you to come out and play these sports or, hey, whatever you want to do, we will encourage it. How, how did that come into play and what influence did they have on your sports career? Yeah, I mean, sports was always kind of a thing in our family. And my sister and I we were only two years apart, so. Some years we would play together, some years we wouldn't. Um, so it was always a juggling act by my parents trying to get us to all different things. But they didn't necessarily force, you know, you're going to play softball because your mom played softball. It was kind of a, hey, we enjoy sports, but ultimately, you know, whatever you take interest in and enjoy, go for it. Like, we'll support you. Um, I kind of tried everything when I was younger. Um, I tried basketball. I tried tennis. I swam. I tried gymnastics my flexibility didn't last long but then once I got into middle school I played you know it was the four short seasons in middle school so I played volleyball I played softball basketball and soccer and then once I got into high school then I narrowed it down to kind of just volleyball and softball when I was in high school I actually also wanted to play club volleyball but there just wasn't enough hours in the day to play it you know 
Um, so I played, you know, I would go to volleyball camps at UW, but I played club softball, like all throughout middle school, high school. Um, I played pretty local to start out. I played for the Washington Acers out of Auburn until um, I was about 14. And then I played one year of Team Seattle, which was kind of a unique little environment as that was, it was ran by the UW coaches. Oh. Um, so it was kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call it a loophole in the recruiting on the old recruiting rules, but because they were able to work with you until you were 14. And then it was considered a recruiting violation if they worked with you older than that. Um, so I played one year of that and then I aged out. So then I played three years for the Northwest bullets, um, out of Oregon, but it was cool to be able to play high school softball with my sister. I mean, I think high school softball is just its own experience in and of itself. It's just so unique. Um, just because everyone's from the same hometown, it's, you're not necessarily drafting players like you are kind of for club team. So that was the first time in a while that my sister and I had been able to play. And so it was special one for my parents to be able to watch us play together. Cause I think the last time was when we were super young playing rec ball. Um, so that was special. Cause she's now, she's now playing, she's a freshman at Linfield down in Oregon playing softball. So that was special to be able to play together and let alone win a state championship together. So you touched perfectly on the other sports involvement question there. Uh, I mean, did you ever consider taking, uh, you know, volleyball, I'm sure was the one maybe that was like second in the running behind softball, right? Did that never say, Hey, maybe I want to take this into college or was it softball was kind of tunnel vision, you know, none of them really stacked up. Um, I definitely thought about it. You know, I, I think that I, I enjoyed both equally. Um, but I think I had just devoted so much more time to softball. Like all of the private lessons were softball, all of the big exposure camps and tours and research was towards softball. So I think I just, as I got older, I think I just started to, Hey, I think this is really where I want to go with this. But you know, now what am I three years out of playing volleyball? It's definitely something that I miss. Um, I don't know if I necessarily regret not playing it in college, but it's definitely something that I miss playing. Well, and then if you ever want to, you know, get back into at least watching it, you've, we've got a good yeah. program here at UW. Absolutely. Um, no, it's been fun to be able to be on the other side of it and kind of watch. But it is always interesting to see, you know, what it's, it's I feel like it's hard nowadays to find an athlete like, well, a good amount of athletes that are just always one sport. It just doesn't really yes. happen, it seems, yeah. you know, and it's always kind of cool to say, hey, I thought about volleyball, right? You know, just to see that what could have changed things. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you've been asked about it a lot, but can you take a look at some of the key moments of that 13 inning state championship game, the longest state championship game ever, yeah. you know, for the time being, uh, what what are you thinking? Because obviously just seven innings is a decent amount of time, especially in the state title game. If you're thinking about it, you know, if you don't somehow tune that out, that it's a title game, right. But 13, yeah. you know, yeah. with that pressure on, I mean, what are, what are some of the key points in that game for you? Yeah. I mean, even before the game happened, it was kind of a grind just to get there. Um, the game prior, I think we were playing Mount Sai and it was kind of an early morning game and, it was a pretty low scoring game. So as a pitcher, that's like stressful in and of itself, just because you've got very little leeway, just because it was 
two really good pitchers going at it. Um, and I remember it, I can't remember if it was the sixth or seventh inning, but I remember my sis, I want to say it was my sister hitting me in or vice versa. Like either I hit my sister in or my sister hit me in. So it was, it was a very like last minute, one run end of the game to kind of, I can't remember if it was a walk-off, but it was pretty close enough to where it was like, okay, we need to score or, you know, we're not going to make it to the state championship game. Cause the way that the WIA tournament is structured is once you lose, you're not necessarily out, but you're out of the first and second place running. You just have a chance to go for third and fourth. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, it's not necessarily like the collegiate championship where you can kind of battle your way up to the championship. Um, so that was huge. And then I remember scoring that run and it was kind of, okay, now we had a pretty decently long break. So we play the tournament um, over in Lacey, Washington. Um, so I remember just going to the parking lot and everyone was kind of, we all kind of took a deep breath just because it was so, it was just a very high intensity game. You know, it was one of those days where, everyone from the school came out, you know, the principal and all your friends from school and, you know, everyone was there. So it was like, holy crap. Okay. We're going to the state championship game. You know, the program's never been there before. So we kind of took a debrief. And then um, once we found out, okay, we're going to place in the home match, then it was like, okay, I'm going to play future teammate, Sammy Reynolds. And so it was like, kind of as a pitcher, it was, okay, let me start to understand, like, who am I going against? Like, what are we, I knew we were going to face, Bailey Greenlee, who I believe is at Southern Alabama, I think now. Um, And so it was two, we hadn't played them before. um, But I remember going into it, it was a, it was a high emotion competitive game before the game even started. Um, I remember warming up. It was, it was just very competitive, even in pregame and you were taking your pregame ground balls. It was super, super competitive. And then getting into it, um, I guess the best way to describe it is it, it was just a very high emotion game. You know, there was the ups and the downs and um, there was close calls that totally changed the momentum of the game. Um, but I think the pivotal point was when we got just an international tiebreaker and um, cause you'll start with a runner on second, no outs. And so as a pitcher, Nine times out of 10, the team's going to bunt. So they're going to sacrifice the batter to get the runner over to third and then have one out runner on third. Um, so it was just, okay, how as a pitcher, how can I, I know they're going to bunt. How can I either have her miss the bunt, have her pop up the bunt. Okay. Or if it's fast back to me, can I go for the runner at three going to three? Um, and so I remember we went several innings of, either nobody scored, nobody scored or one score, one score. So that was like, I think it was stressful just because it was so many innings of international tiebreaker. And even when you're batting, it's like, okay, they've already scored one. We have to score. Otherwise it's game over. Um, And then I just remember once it got into like the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, it was like, oh my gosh, guys, we need to score one more run than they do. Like everyone's getting tired. Um, but I think that's just when the emotion and the competitiveness got brought up from everyone. So it was kind of cool to see girls that they weren't necessarily overly emotional, overly competitive. Um, so it kind of brought out a different side of everyone. Yeah. I mean, just, I can only imagine, you know, that many innings in a title game, you know, uh, Bailey Greenlee. Yes. At Alabama state, check that. Um, 
but no, it's, ah, God, you know, should be a part of that. It's always something that's really cool to look at. And it's always yeah. nice too, when someone that I speak with is from the state. So I know, Hey, yeah. Snohomish, I know where that is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, geez, you know, makes, makes me miss seeing it in person. So yeah. excited for when you guys come back here is what, is, yeah. is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. you, you, t- you stepped on the, uh, you spoke on the Northwest bullets. Can you talk a little bit about your time, you know, playing club with them and what you might've picked up in your time there, uh, yeah. just along your journey? Yeah. So after I aged out of team Seattle, that was actually the first year that I went into the summer, like not knowing who I was going to play with. Cause I played locally for the Acers all my life. And it was just, okay, I'm going to play, I'm going to play another year with you. Okay. And then I'm going to advance to this coach. And then, Hey, I'm going to go try out for team Seattle. Got this cool. But then it was a, okay, crap. What the heck do I do? Um, and so that was actually a JT Domingo who was coaching. He used to coach at UW. Now he coaches at um, university of Georgia. Um, he actually had connections with the two head coaches. Um, and so I, I did the whole fill out tryout forms and everything for like three or four different teams. Um, and that was actually the first trial that I went to. And that was, it was intimidating at first just because it was like, okay, let's get in the car and for three hours and let's go ahead and drive to this tryout. Um, but I remember getting there and it was, I think I was there for maybe 20, 30 minutes. And I remember looking at my dad going, Hey, this is, this is who I want to play for. Like, let me cross my fingers and hope they offer me a spot, but this is who I want to play for. Um, I just remember the environment being very, very similar to team Seattle um, and very, very similar to what I liked in UW um, that, you know, the practices were very, you were always going, you know, when you were taking infield ground balls, you were doing crossfire. So there was two coaches hitting at once versus just one. So there was very little standing around. Um, there was very little, there was a lot of purpose behind everything that we did, um, which was something that I admired. And I also liked that I was the youngest on the team. So it was kind of, um, I actually, my first year, I actually played with Pat Moore on the bullets. Who's a pitcher here at UW now. Um, so for me, I think it was huge developmentally, just being able to grow behind these other bigger, stronger players who had been in the program longer. Um, and so, right. I came in and I, I wasn't the best. I wasn't the top pitcher. I wasn't a starter, but then it was, okay, how do you like compete your butt off to get up there to kind of become one of those starters. And so, like you said earlier, just iron turpins iron. So uh, continuing with that, you talk about UW, obviously UW is well-documented as a school that it seemed like, Hey, this is where I'm going. Yeah. Right. Uh, especially on the uh, UW athletics site for you, it's just, Hey, this is, it doesn't seem like there's anywhere else. Did other schools recruit you? Was there ever another visit or interest in another school or was it just, Hey, I know where I'm going. I'm going to work towards it. None of, none of anybody else can impact that decision. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew I definitely wanted to go to UW, but something that my parents always encouraged is just go explore other places so that you know for sure this is what you want versus if you just put your blinders up and you go to UW, like you don't, you didn't compare it to anything else. Um, so I took visits to Oregon State. I took visits to Arizona State, to Utah. Um, my final two actually came down to UW and Baylor over in Texas. So I took the whole unof- or official visit and everything. I went and saw there, and that was first time going to Texas, kind of first time hearing about Baylor. Um, 
obviously beautiful private school, a lot of money. Um, it was just a completely different environment for me, just culturally. Um, so it was cool. The visit, visit was actually pretty unique. Um, I actually stayed with one of the current, well, she just graduated, um, but I stayed in her apartment with her. So it was kind of like, I was totally in the shoes of a Baylor softball student athlete. Um, so that was, I think, just a cool, just looking back on it, that was a cool visit just to go on. You know, you went to the football game, you watched practice, you did all that stuff. Um, but it kind of came down to the two um, and it just went back to, I'm big on family. And so I don't have any family over in Texas. The farthest family is California. Um, so not super far, but I definitely wanted to be close to family and playing for my hometown is always something that I've kept near and dear to my heart. And it's kind of been important to me. Um, so no bad things to say about them. It's just so far away from home. And that's a really good segue actually, as we move into UW, I know that um, that was, I see it more, I guess, um, in the football aspect of it, there's, you know, the hashtag that they use a lot that loyal to the soil hashtag. Um, and a lot of recruits that are, you know, we've got a lot of talent in the Metro league here. Uh, it's always, you know, stay home and be that guy in basketball. They want a lot of guys to stay home, be that guy. Uh, obviously across all sports, I'm sure it's, Hey, you know, stay home. You, you touched on it a bit there, but can you talk about the importance for you to stay home and just represent the Pacific Northwest? Because obviously there's been some people who are a little, Hey, how come this recruit goes to, you know, some other school as opposed to how come you couldn't recruit them to stay here? Obviously that's their own choice. And that's, you know, that's their own thing as an athlete. I went to high school with a guy who plays at Duke now and he had Mm -hmm. the choice of going wherever he wanted to go. Right. I went to school with Paulo Banchero he's probably going to be a top pick. So I was just like, Hey, I would love for you to go to UW, but at the same time, if you hold offers, that is your decision, right? What made it for you? I guess. uh, Yeah. I guess what factored in a decision? Hey, I want to obviously family's big, but what other things could have played an impact in that? Um, I think growing up just like the idea and like characteristic of loyalty has always been like important to us. I mean, even growing up from, K through 12 school like we lived in one spot we didn't transfer schools we didn't we didn't move a whole bunch so it wasn't like I went to a whole bunch of different schools like we just whatever school you lived in their district that's the school you went to um to where I had friends that would transfer into this district because this sport was better it was kind of here's what I'm working with and how can I make like the best of it um I think part of it is just you know I grew up around the university um dad was a walk-on on the football team mom played locally they both went to Lincoln High School um out of Tacoma um and I grew up coming to UW games my parents had had season tickets when we were in the old season or in the old stadium um so I grew up six months old in a little baby Bjorn going to football games so it was just kind of something that I had grown up around um and I think I think coach Tar said it once that it's just, we're just kind of a hidden gem in the corner of the U S. Um, so it's just something that I'm proud of, um, and proud to like ride the highs and the lows of the university. Um, even, even looking at like the football team, you know, just, I'm going to be a Husky fan, whether they're first in the pack, last in the pack, you know, obviously you want them to be first in the pack, but it's just, I guess it goes back to the idea of like loyalty. 
Well, that definitely makes sense. Obviously, again, it's at the end of the day, if you're recruiting at a position, that's your decision. That's your life that you're going to be impacting. But that's kind of how it's been for me. You know, I grew up around the university, uh, just kind of made sense. I was like, hey, I looked at other places similar to you, you know, and it was just like, it just makes the most sense here. Yeah. And even to look at, you know, like you were saying with football, might not have been easiest last season, but we had sure. other, like volleyball was great. Sure. You know, softball has been great as I talked to you about before we started this, you know, so um, yeah, I mean, the highs and lows are there, but at the end of the day, then, I mean, like if we're looking at the university itself, the numbers kind of show it's a great university, yeah. you know, yeah. so hey, if others don't know about it necessarily, that's potentially their loss, you know. Yeah. Um, so talking about the last few years, obviously the shortened season, I'm sure is not one that maybe you look back at with anything uh positive um but are there anything is there anything uh memory wise that you have taken from that shortened season obviously um after that kind of thing ended uh something else came about that and I'll talk about that after softball um but what what do you take from that shortened season because if you look at it record wise it's not like UW was slowing down right yeah no I think it was a I think it was a one of a kind experience. Um, and I don't know how many, I mean, as we, you, you could take it as the good, you could take it as the bad, but I think it's a one of a kind experience that ultimately only four classes of athletes are ever going to get to experience. Um, and so it was, I th- actually think that our freshman class actually had the most unique experience just because it was, okay, it was our first time, everything, you know, you started, your first two quarters, super normal, cool, love college, going to get in person, living in the dorms. And then it was, I actually remember the day it happened. It was, we had just finished all of our preseason um, and we were just at home. We, I believe it was the Wednesday um, during the week and we were going to host open pack 12 against Utah that Friday. Um, and that was the year that the Olympics were originally supposed to happen. So team USA softball was going on their stand behind stand beside her tour. Um, so basically that was part of their route of training for the Olympics. They would go around to all these top collegiate softball teams and mm-hmm. for exposure, you know, fans get being able to get to meet, but they would play a college team on a Thursday typically. And then I don't know if they would have some sort of camp, they would have meet and greets. Um, so that was a, we were pumped, you know, we were going to get to face Monica Abbott and Kat Osterman and all these big time Olympic medalists. Um, and then they had actually arrived in Seattle. We had just set up their locker room. Each player wrote notes to like we had, I had Kilani Ricketts. Um, and so each player had connected with an Olympian, well, future Olympian, but, and they had just gotten settled down. We had just finished practice in the Dempsey. They were walking over to the North side of the Dempsey to get their practice and I remember going back to the dorms and we got a phone call and it said, Hey, uh, team USA just left. Um, like, we're not actually going to play them. We're like, what do you, what do you mean? We're not going to play them. We literally just saw them 30 minutes ago in the Dempsey. And I was like, okay, well, that's a huge bummer. Like we were all looking forward to that. Like it was sold out months before. Um, and then it was all right, like whatever, get over it. we got Utah. Let's go, let's go practice, whatever. Hey, actually, um, we're not going to play Utah. Um, sorry. Like that's not going to happen. We're like, what do you mean? That's not going to happen. Okay. Whatever we go practice, we keep going. 
Um, and then I remember sitting down in a team meeting and it was, Hey, we're actually not going to have a season. Um, so, and we're like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and that was right before it had made, it had become public to like, you know, athletics had released their press statement, mm-hmm. um, maybe, I don't know, 12, 20 hours before it happened. Um, so I remember coach Glasso saying, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I would, as it, from a dad perspective, I would encourage you guys to get somewhere physically where you're okay staying there for several months. So if that means going home, if that means if you're comfortable staying in your Seattle house for several months, cool. Um, but he's like, as a dad, I would want my kids to come home. Um, and so that was, you know, everyone kind of picked up their stuff and it was like, head on home to Bonnie Lake teammates went home to Australia and Texas and Georgia and wherever the heck they're from. Um, and so that was a weird dynamic just because being a spring sport, you are always playing in the spring, no matter how old you are, the spring is go time. And so sitting at home, having class at home, not doing anything in the spring was a once, once in a lifetime, I guess, experience just because you're playing, but you're not in the spring. So that was funky. Um, but I remember coming back and it was for the three of us, Kelly, Jadlin, and I, it was kind of a funky dynamic because it's okay. Academically we're sophomores, but really this is our first kind of go around. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, just kind of thinking on last year, it was unique just because, okay, we got our foot in the water. We got our jitters per se out you know we've done th- we've done this before but we haven't done this before okay we've done preseason twice but we've never done pack once um so i think it was an interesting dynamic you know you're able to learn you're able to grow before you really got going into conference and postseason um and so i think it was i guess a blessing in disguise just being able to play with some of those players for multiple years you know I think of I think of Morgan Flores um who now is like one of my best friends you know if she would have never torn her ACL we would have never played together period okay so then she tore ACL then she redshirted then we get to play together one year well then COVID hit you know she's grandma here for a sixth year then I get to play with her for two years so it was I guess a blessing in disguise just you know being able to kind of put pause on your season and continue to grow and learn on what you've experienced for a couple months. Um, but then being able to play with Morgan for two years and sis for two years and Taryn Atley for two years and all those players. So that was kind of a long winded answer, but. I mean, without it, I would have known none of that. So, you know, absolutely. Um, no, it is kind of interesting. You say that because yeah, I'm, first two quarters of UW yes somewhat normal then we get to that one quarter and I remember a good amount of my friends that go to different universities like Wazoo uh, I had a friend that goes to Syracuse they're all home and they're on a call and I'm on Twitter and I read the NBA season has been suspended I go huh yeah it seems like a big deal yeah um and now you know uh but no i mean for i mean that that story just hey we just saw them what do you mean we're not playing you know yeah. that is i can only imagine you know what that can be like you know um so obviously i'm sure that's terrible but you know yeah. i appreciate you sharing that um 
with you talking about the facility, um, what are your thoughts on the new facility itself? I mean, I know that's kind of been a big deal. Um, I'm sure it's kind of like, oh, we've gotten used to it by now, maybe. Um, how is that for you? Because obviously before then it was, I'm sure, uh, talking to a friend of mine uh, who plays on this women's soccer team, it's like, oh, we have to share time in Dempsey, you know, and struggling to even get that, you know. I think there were photos last season from the Twitter that it was like, oh, UW softball's training in Dempsey. And you can see other people training in the back. It's like, this is a top tier program. You'd like them to have a top tier facility, Absolutely. you know. Um, how, how, what are your thoughts on the, the facility itself? I mean, just looking at it, it's beautiful. And I think it's the, I think it's long overdue for our program, but I think it's the best thing that could have ever happened. Cause you're right. You know, we would, we would practice in the Dempsey mid afternoon and we'd practice on the North end baseball or soccer would practice on the South end. And you've got track and field running around on the ends. And then you've got the jumpers on the far end and you've got your pole vaulters and you've got your you've got, you've got everyone going on. So there was just a lot of things going on. And like you said, it was hard for any sport to kind of utilize the best that they could with their practice. Um, but I think the best thing that it's provided us is just the extra work um, because prior, you know, okay, Hey, swing feels kind of funky. I want to go hit. Okay. Two years ago, it was, uh, okay. You can't really hit uh, the Dempsey's being used until our practice time. And then right after you've got X, Y, Z going on okay, well, let me go hit outside. Okay, hold on. It's 43 degrees out and your bat's going to break. Um, so that was just kind of a, there was the will and the desire to do all of this extra work, but there wasn't really the capacity or the space to do so. Um, so that's been the biggest blessing. And I think that there's, <clears throat> there's always someone in there in the best way possible. Um, so now it's three cages. Um, so pitchers and catchers have been able to throw bullpens prior to practice that way during practice we could be athletes um it's allowed hitters to go in on their own time and hit we've now got a machine that's kind of a self-feeder so you can set it's got kind of a big bucket almost and it's it cycles through and it throws one ball in um, and you can actually set up the machine to you can adjust the wheels and the speed of the wheels to be a curve, be a drop, be a rise, be a change. Oh, wow. Um, so you can actually go in there on your own um, and just set it up to how you want it and then just self-feed it. And you can go hit the machine by yourself and mimic what you're going to see this weekend. So that's been huge. That's been, you know, w with that facility being built, uh, I remember, I guess I, my friend showed me around the facilities a bit and I was like, whoa, the softball facility is huge, you know, um, but also, you know, covering like with the sounders and the rain here in Seattle, you know, the rain obviously now being able to play up here in Seattle at Lumen Field instead of playing on a baseball stadium in Tacoma. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Cheney Stadium is fine, but you should probably be playing soccer on a soccer field. Yes. You know, and then hopefully with them as well, but the Sounders, you know, getting their own training facility, I'm sure can only improve that because kind of in a similar way, playing down in Starfire, it's like, okay, you've got, obviously at Starfire, there's other fields, but you've got kids that are playing. You've got mm -hmm. the Seattle Seawolves rugby team that's playing, juggling all that, you know, as a pro team that wants, as a team that wants to get better and maintain their standing, whether it's being ranked high or trying to win championship or, or both. Yeah. Um, having that, I'm sure is just something that, you know, is a huge help and sh should be 
there, you know, at minimum, right? Um, so you talked about someone uh, going back to Australia when everybody went back home. I'm sure there's yeah. a certain person that you're talking yes. about. Um, I asked Morgan the same thing as obviously, you know, being a catcher, you know, catching her, you know, is one thing, but also someone to be a fellow pitcher, I'm sure is another as well. What can you describe about Gabby Plain through your point of view? I know that obviously the numbers are huge and she's a big name uh, in, in the softball game. But also I had some frustrations because I, I consume a lot of the Seattle media because it's what I do. Right. Yeah. There was one outlet that uh, during during the great run last year, and I think it was during uh, the Michigan series or the, mm-hmm. any of the Michigan games are like, why is she smiling so much? Which is like, why are you worried about that when she's yeah. winning so much? Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you get uh, stuff like that is why I talked to you about not wanting to have like clickbait and I'm going to cross the swearing guideline, clickbait bullshit. It's just yeah. who gives a shit if she's winning games. Right. So that's right. how I was frustrated with that outlet, but Gabby Plain, obviously incredible mm-hmm. athlete. How was she through your eyes? Because obviously I'm sure she's just a teammate to you, right? It's just, there's nothing, oh, I hold her in this high regard. This is my teammate. You know, I maybe don't treat her any differently. Yeah. I mean, her stats are stats. Like anyone can look up her stats, but I think being able to like know her as a person, to play with her, to actually live with her. um, I think her stats speak for themselves, but I think her personality just as a human being is far greater than any stat that she could produce um it's funny that you mentioned the smirking because from an outsider's perspective like I don't know maybe you catch a game or two and like that's what you see nine times out of ten people will think that you know she's the cockiest one on the field and that like could not be farther opposite and I think I guess the I, I I don't even think that she has a reason to the smirk but I think the biggest thing that she'll pass on um, to us other pitchers is like, it's just a game. It's just a pitch. Like there's no need to overthink it. Um, and so I think she, by just her smirking and smiling, you know, it uplifts the whole team, but it also just reminds the rest of us pitchers. Like it's okay. It's fine. Like it happens. Um, and I think even just learning like her culture and her language and just her different lingo that she brings, Um, a lot of times, you know, as pitchers, you'll, you'll throw the right pitch, you'll get the right swing, but, um, even thinking like, okay, on a little changeup, you'll get a little blooper that goes between the five, six hole and the left fielder. So it's like, okay, as a pitcher, you're like, dang it. I did everything I could have. And it fell in for a hit. Was it really a hit? Not really. Did it fall in for a hit? Yes. Um, and so it just, it just goes back to her saying like, Hey, unlucky mate like it's just unlucky you know as pitchers we there's balls that are just unlucky like you did your job whatever like how can you just go get the next one um, but I think it's just been cool and unique to just learn from her um, learn from her pick her brain um, just being able to throw a bullpen and just get feedback from her I mean that's you You talk about you know might think she's cocky as all hell right but that's that's totally the opposite of what i've heard you know read either heard from morgan or read from several other players right just you know that even even watching the world series games last year uh it was like the oh with that smirk on it's like yes she's smiling big deal talk about the pitch please you know it's just 
I don't know that kind of stuff. I'm sure, you know, as an athlete, you kind of, you might hear stuff like that, but it's like, Hey man, you know, um, another person that you may, and you've already spoke about her. That's been, uh, able to stay around the program. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's it like for you to still have Cispates around? Uh, and whether is it kind of odd to not see her out on the field with you? Um, or is it just great to have her in that capacity, um, and just still being around the program? I mean, I think it's all of the above, you know, it's, it's odd having her around, but not being able to play with her. But I think it's one of the greatest things that could have ever happened for our program, you know, for her own developmental as a player being able to, you know, they say, you know, the greatest mastery of any skill is being able to teach it to another person. Um, So it's a great blessing for her just to be able to pass her wisdom on as our middle infield is young this year, being able to learn from you know, a fifth year senior who's done it all, been everywhere. Um, and I think she's transitioned really, really well into player sis to coach sis. Um, you know, it's definitely bus rides. It's weird having her in the front, not the back. Um, it's not, it's weird having her not in the locker room, but I think she's done a really, really good job of, Hey, I'm still your friend, but I'm also now your coach. Um, and I think everyone's adapted to that really well. And Hey, you're our coach now. Yes. You're a friend, but you're also our coach. Um, and that's not an easy dynamic for anyone to step into. Um, but I think it's, you know, her so recently being in the program and still playing and so recently playing, it's a unique opportunity to be able to like ask questions and she could put herself in that moment just because it's been so recently. Um, and I think it's, it's been cool just how she's worked with some of our middle infielders. Um, sometimes at practice, like when we're hitting fungo, she'll kind of mirror them. So she'll go behind the infielder without a glove and she'll attack the ball like she would and assess, okay, did the infielder, they don't know what I'm doing. I'm behind them. Um, but ideally if they could attack the ball the same way, like check that box. Um, so I think it's been really good developmentally for just our infielders to be able to grow from her. And you talk about that, obviously, with some younger, some younger athletes in that middle infield. I'm sure that's just as invaluable as it can get, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm kind of interested, you know, with with the tournaments that always kind of take place in the beginning of the season. Uh, you talk about going to, um, oh shoot, I believe it was Mexico, right? Yeah. Um, and even even like with St. Pete's. Um, there's a lot of uh, girls and young women who come out to those games and I'm sure you look up to you guys and it's always really cool to see the photos. I think there was one that the NCAA put out where it's like, it was a bunch of different teams signing bottles um, or just signing autographs. Can you talk about that? I mean, as, as you know, someone who is in those shoes as someone as a player who might be looked up to, right. As a woman in that spot, what impact that might leave because on, on WNBA Twitter, I see all the time, you know, it's like young fans in their jerseys and say the WNBA is so important. And that I'm sure that goes for every women's sport. Right. So, I mean, talk, can you talk about just, I guess some of the things or the impact that you want to leave behind in these places where it's like, Hey, I want to be able to look at these girls and say, if you want to play softball, you can do it. And just the encouragement, and that obviously anywhere, if you want to be a pro, like an athlete, you can do that because of, I mean, just whether it's looking at you, looking at UW, looking at these teams that are playing, I guess if you can 
I just kind of dropped a whole mess there, but I guess if you can get what I'm saying yeah. there with just yeah, no, that's places. I think this is I think this is the favorite question you asked me, just because it it circles back to kind of my why of playing. Um, like when I was little, I was that little girl. I was the little girl that stayed after trying to get my poster or my ball or my hat, whatever, signed by all these girls. I was the girl that would have the little roster card and would try and find all the players on the field. Like I was that little girl. I did have the dreams of being where I am now. So being able to transition into that role, um, it's just a dream becoming a reality. Um, and so again, that goes back like my why of playing and continuing to play softball and wanting to continue to play it beyond college is to kind of inspire the next generation. Um, and so even looking at, you know, games when we've got autographs after, you know, sometimes players, they'll good game, bad game, whatever parents, their parents, not there. They'll want to just, they'll want to just go home after the game. Um, and so that being part of my why, um, like I'll go straight from the game, stay in my uniform, go out there and I won't go back to the locker room until every little girl has got at least one signature has been taken care of just because I know being that little girl waiting after the whole game, you know, a seven inning game when you're eight is long, you know? <laughs> um, and so you waited all that time to see your favorite player. And then it's like, Oh, I didn't get to see him. And then you're like heartbroken going back. And even it was the same thing when we were in Mexico, we actually ran a us and Memphis softball ran a youth clinic for some of the local kids in the area. Um, so it tested my high school Spanish because most of them knew very little English and a couple of, a couple of our players are, I, I won't say fluent, but mildly fluent in Spanish. Um, so it was a, it was a pretty cool experience to be able to grow the game internationally. Um, but again, it goes back to the teaching, teaching the younger generation. And we actually taught it. We did the camp before we had played any of the games. So um, a lot of the players that went to the camp then came to all the games. Um, and I remember our very, very last game versus Arkansas. It was that night game. Um, and after we finished, we had our little team huddle. They gave out the tournament awards. Um, you just kind of look to your left and you see all these little boys and girls and their, and their brothers and their sisters and their moms and their dads just kind of sitting there with their balls and their Sherpies, like ready to go. Um, and same sort of thing. You know, some people want to get back to the hotel and that's not, that's just not part necessarily part of their why, which is fine for them. Um, but that's, I remember it was actually Jade Lynn and I that were kind of the last two and it was sure. Are we hungry? Yes. Sure. Do we stink and we want to get out of our uniforms? Yes. But when, when again, are we going to be able to sit here and interact with these little kids from Mexico? When are they going to have this opportunity again? Probably never. And so it's, how can we stay there and give back to the game that's, I guess, given so much to us. Um, and I think that's a big blessing with NIL, um, just because I take a high regard in coaching and growing the game in the state of Washington. It goes kind of back to that loyalty aspect. Um, but I just think even growing up in Washington and playing softball in Washington, um, there's developmentally for whatever reason and I'm not sure why we're a little lower or farther behind than big producing states like California and Texas and so it's like okay going through all of this how can I coach the next generation with 
you know, these proper skill sets with these proper, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so once NIL came, I was able to, well, I guess pre-NIL, I was able to legally give lessons, but I couldn't advertise myself. I couldn't create my own business. I couldn't, you know, I could give it as long as I report it, but there was no advertising piece. And so as soon as NIL started, um, I started my own, I wouldn't even call it a business, but I started my own, like, I guess you'd call it a business, like a pitching business. And so um, I work with a lot of youth here in Seattle. um, And then when I'm at home, work with a lot of youth back there. Um, But this winter, Megan Vandegrift and I actually, we ran over our two week break. So you've got, you've got your Christmas in there. You've got your new year's and all that, but between the extra days, um, we actually put on 24 hours worth of camp. So it wasn't 24 hours straight, but it was 12 different locations for two hours. Um, and so that was huge. So we were able to touch on the pitching, the catching, the offense, the defense. And then the last part we spent 30 minutes, um, and kind of worked on the mental game and each girl for signing up and participating, they got a big sign poster from Megan and I. Um, and so that was even just getting feedback from some of the girls, most of them were shy, but some of the parents, some of the coaches, like that was huge for them. Like just being able to interact one-on-one with local players that they look up to. And that's always something that they wanted. And that's always something that we wanted to do, but it wasn't able to happen until this law was recently passed. Yeah. And I know that's to, to look at that, you know, talk with NIL specifically, it's been really cool. I know that um, there was an event a little bit ago. uh, I think it was around this. Yeah. It must've been December where they had a bunch. uh, I think it was a group. No, I think it might've been more than four. There was a group of UW softball players at uh, Dukes on South Lake union. Yeah, And that was really cool because I remember still trying to work on it, but obviously I'm sure like you, she's busy. I remember I had inter- I had sent an email to Bailey Klingler about an interview and she was the first person I've ever had reply with capital letters, everything. Oh my God. Yes. And five exclamation points. That sounds so fun. And I was like, holy wow. Um, but obviously again, busy, totally get it. Um, just to see those people in person is really cool because obviously until I'm sure in a little bit, it's hard to get those games in person all the time, especially with what's happened recently. And to go back to what you were saying about just trying to pass that along. I'm not in that athlete spot, but with working with the Mariners on game days, you know, whether it's uh, you know, giving cards to kids or just passing anything on, I can, or even going to the games and you're there early for autographs and making sure the kids go first. Cause I mean, it's, yeah, they're there for, right. It's not, they're going to remember that a lot more than I am. Right. Yeah. So just seeing that is always really cool. And I, I, I figured I had to talk about that just because, you know, like you said, you don't know when you might see those kids might get that chance again. Absolutely. Uh, so to pass that on, I think is really cool. Um, yeah. I want to transition out of UW here. We're going to wrap up with some stuff outside of softball. Okay. Some kind of still tied to it, but, most outside. Um, so how have you been able to improve the off the dirt podcast since it began? Obviously, I mean, starting a podcast, you're like, Oh shoot, how do I do this? How can I improve that? Right. just whether it's auto quality or, you know, if you have a video aspect, microphone, I mean, microphone camera quality, right. How have you been able to improve since it began? Yeah. So that was something that was, 
it's kind of funny how it started. So once it goes back to the kind of COVID time. And so it was, we kind of had a meeting as a program. And so it's, okay, we're losing a year's worth of putting our program out to the world. You know, we're not on TV. We're not playing all this stuff. So there's a span of, I don't know, was it eight months or 10 months, whatever it was, where our program's not out there. So how can we still put ourselves out there in a different form? Um, And so some people reached out to donors. Some people um, queued up with the Facebook and they kind of interviewed some alumni. Some people, there was just a lot of different projects going on, but the podcast was actually my project. And so that was something that I did, I don't know, a couple times and, but it was something that I enjoyed doing. So I continued to do it. Um, and so it's been, it's been on a little slow pace now that season's gone started, but, um, it's been, I guess a big learning curve for me just because, you know, video editing, sound editing, inputting clips, that's something that I had zero experience with. I didn't take any of those digital media classes in high school. Um, so it was kind of figuring it out as I go. Um, but it's been interesting to kind of just, just kind of like you're doing, just learning the stories of different people. And it's, as enjoying as it is for the listeners and the viewers, it's equally as is enjoying for you as the one doing the interviews, asking the questions, um, just getting to hear the different stories from all these different people and kind of how they've become the person that they are today. I mean, just talking to you about softball, it it's filling the void that would have been there with the lockout, you know, and just bringing back, because for the while now, you know, it's just been about, I've been doing with hockey and soccer here and there Mm -hmm. you know and it just baseball and that similar game was always a first love for me you know so bringing that back it's just like oh man you know kind of makes me want to play again you know yeah I've got a glove for a reason you (laughs) know um so I mean I think you might have talked about it as a whole but I mean what have you I think I don't know if it's still true but I know that on the UW page, it was uh, you were looking into, I think, uh, you know, broadcast, I think as a major, it could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been able to learn in that field? I mean, since you began college, I know for me, it's kind of funny. I've learned more in the field than I have in classes, and that's fine. That might just Absolutely. be how it is. Um, but for you, what have you been able to learn in that field? You know, as, especially as someone, I think it was really important what you said. Uh, in talking about the podcast itself was that as a player you know having that viewpoint speaking to those athletes is very important and I get that as someone who has never took it to the college level I won't have that Um, but like learning like you were saying learning from these different athletes you can kind of pick things here up and there so I guess what have you been able to take from that field I mean since you really uh, started back uh, in your freshman year Yeah. I mean, just kind of like you're saying, you've learned more in the field than you have in a class. Like you don't sign up for a class that's Seattle sports podcast. Like that's just not a thing. So you learn, I guess you learn all of these things and um, like how to create a conversation. That's always my goal when I'll do my podcast. It's how do I create more of a conversation versus an interview? Like you can, you can Google search all these interviews, but how can you just have a flowy conversation? So exactly just like you're doing, like as your interviewee says something, how can you not necessarily close the door and open the door to a next question, but how can you flow and just kind of, 
not necessarily dig deeper, but how can you ask kind of guiding questions based on what they've said? Um, and so still taking interest in wanting to do some sort of sports broadcasting post-college, you know, it's an interesting, I'm sure, as you know, it's an interesting field, as you know, just because you kind of have to work your way up the totem pole in the tower. Um, you know, every once in a while, sure, you'll have the people that they land their dream job right out of the gate. But most people, they work smaller, slowly up to bigger to wherever they want to be. Um, and so it's definitely something that's been able to give me kind of put my foot in the door, kind of get to experience some things and even getting to talk to kind of Danielle Laurie, who works for ESPN and the Pac-12 networks right now. Um, I haven't done the podcast with her, but I've talked to her just about the field itself. Um, getting to talk to Amanda Scarborough, who is uh, works with ESPN right now, and even being able to talk a little bit to Angie Mentick with the Mariners. Um, yeah, so that's been it's been cool just to hear, you know, players who have whether they've got a connection to Washington or just softball in general, um, just their experiences and kind of things that they wish they did, that they're glad they did, um, all that good stuff. You, you mentioned some really great names because one with uh, Miss Lori, been in contact with her, uh, hoping to get her on at some point whenever that's possible, but also being a mother of two and then juggling those broadcasting duties. There's a lot on her plate. Um, so I'd love to get that worked. Uh, but also Angie, um, it's always funny because I don't know how many people know that she played softball. Obviously, yeah. it's been really cool. Like the last season, I know she got in the booth uh i don't know if it was for a full game but she was in the booth for a game and they showed you know the stats and all that and i know a lot of people on twitter liked her in the booth so you know uh that and then also you know with root uh having uh kraken rights mm -hmm. uh i remember i spoke with her about it the mariners had ty france night i spoke with her about the show would love to talk to her because i've spoken with jen mueller she said, it's kind of up to my bosses. So I'm like, okay, totally get it. Uh, but also I remember the second time I saw her, she's like, how's the show going? I'm like, huh? I'm like, how do you Whoa. remember that? You know? Yeah. So it's, you know, the, you, you peek out uh, some, some good, uh, some good role models there. Just some quick hitters uh, to wrap up here. Is there a favorite sport for you to attend at UW when you've got time, obviously um, outside of softball or even just watch in general? volleyball for sure that figure that may, would, would make sense <laughs> and then this is something that I actually um before I started to prep for this um I, I saw a video on my Instagram explore uh it was a question in an interview what is one question uh that you wish you wouldn't be asked anymore whether it's something that always kind of pops up that's kind of annoying or it's just like I hate having to repeat it is there one question for you that's like hey I really don't want to hear that anymore um I mean, I think it's just the, I feel like the question that I'll get, I mean, it's kind of starting to dwindle away as time goes, but when we got ranked 16 and that was the whole little debate and it was the, that was because I had spoke at a couple like donor events and I had gone to the Husky 100 um, and like all of those sort of things. And nine times out of 10, that would get brought up and it's like, does it really matter? You know? obviously we were frustrated, but it would always go back to the, well, why'd you walk out? It, you know, it's again, it's just part of the emotion. And so I guess it's a thing. It happened. Of course, everyone was frustrated, but what can you do about it now? Nothing. 
Yeah, I I remember when that happened. It, it goes back to me again with the this thing they said about Gabby and the smiles. Like, who cares? You know, there's obviously a game to be played now. Move on from it. I'm sure they have already moved on from it as soon as that happened, right? Yeah. So no, I totally get that, and I thought that was something. You know, especially, you know, not only as an athlete, but someone who does speak with other people, right, as I'm doing, it's like, hey, there are certain questions you shouldn't be asking, or that these people probably hear way too often. So Mm -hmm. um, I know that, um, what was it? Oh, I always put social medias in the description. Um, I will link the show down in the description as well. Uh, and if you want, I can always put Brooke Nelson performance in there. If you still are using that, yeah. is there anything that you want to put out into the world as we're still relatively, uh, we haven't even gotten the conference, right. Um, but is there anything that you want to put out into the world? No, I just think it'll be, it'll be a fun season. We've got a smaller roster size this year. So even as we've experienced in our Oklahoma state game, like there, there's going to be a lot of games where just about every single person on the roster gets in the game. So it'll be a fun season and we're still trying to figure out our, all of our pieces to our puzzle, but it'll be a fun season and hopefully we get some full capacity games this year. Really uh, looking for, I think, oh, shoot, I forgot who it was, but there's that one game. I think there's like one game that's here at UW before you guys go back on the road. I'm like, damn. You know, I yeah, forgot it's, who uh, it's Robert. I think it's Robert Morris next Tuesday. That sounds right. Yep. I'm like, damn, just one, you know, but no, really excited for that and excited to see that in person. Yeah. Uh, and again, appreciate your time on an off day. I don't know again what else you've got going on, whether it's might stop by the, I don't remember what Coach Tar called it, but I saw it on Twitter. I was like, that's a name for the building. The, the jewel box. Yeah. The jewel box. I was yep. like, oh. Yep. It's it's a nice looking building. I'll say yep. that. It kind of um, goes back to what she said, like hidden hidden gem up in the corner of the Ah, earth. there you go. Again, Brooke Nelson, thank you for your time. Thank you.